welcome back to the Real Point Podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Freya. And this week um, we're doing something, we've been looking forward to this one quite a bit actually, at least I have. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, 100%. And this week we were covering zombie movies and the thought process behind this one in particular was that we wanted to cover slightly different zombie movies. I think both of them in particular have kind of been uh, responsible for bringing new blood back into the zombie genre at this point. I think what the first one that we're going to cover in particular is kind yeah. of was kind of a big uh, deal in terms of sort of bringing back a genre that was previously kind of stagnant for a little while and it brought it back in a very big way and because of that it went stagnant again very quickly um, and now with the second film kind of bringing the resurgence back around a little bit again. Yeah and um, the first one we we're going to talk about as well brought a resurgence back to where it came from as well for zombie films because yeah. you don't get a lot of um, zombie films in this. No absolutely not. Um, especially because yeah I think after this it definitely gave um, a good bit of British pride about um, some good good old fashioned zombie movies yeah. um, so do you want to say the name of the first one? Yeah so the first film we'll be talking about is 28 Days Later um, which is by Danny Boyle which and was released in 2002 yep yeah, and it was written by Alex Garland um, which is a bit fascinating actually um, when we watched it um, if, you, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it already then pause this <laughs> and go, go and watch, watch devs yeah. go and watch devs all the episodes absolutely fantastic is written and directed entirely by alex garland obviously if you're not familiar with alex garland as well he had his um di- directorial debut with ex machina um followed up by annihilation which he also uh, did the writing for annihilation was based on one of my favorite books by jeff vandermeer but he'd done the adapted screenplay for it and alex garland's been working as a screenwriter for years anyway yeah. Um, he does certainly have a style um, he's definitely done a couple of stinkers as well I'm not a big fan of The Beach and he's had a couple of books as well, one of which I've read which is not, not good at all mm-hmm. um, but you know he'd worked with um, actually this was his first time working with Danny Barlow yeah, no, it was right. Beach after, you know. oh no no it was Beach before, beach before. yeah beach no it was before. Beach before yeah, yeah. yeah cause there is reason yeah apparently he um, after they worked together on The Beach um, he sent an idea off to Danny Boyle and his producer, I think his name's Andrew McDonald, mm-hmm. um, with an idea for a script. Um, he apparently had been playing an awful lot of Resident Evil at the time. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting as well is that um, 28 Days Later was made on an £8 million budget. Okay. Yeah. And it recouped um, entirely worldwide £82.7 million, wow. which for 2002 is really good. That's um, yeah, for the time, 100%. For 2002 money, yeah, yeah, considering this was a year after 9-11, which we'll probably have to touch on shortly mm-hmm. anyway. Um, it also went on to be the highest grossing horror movie of 2002. Now, I'm not surprised for that, but like that meant... Well, <laughs> I've also taken about five minutes to throw together a quick list of other horror movies that came out in 2002. Okay. Just to give you an example of what else was coming yeah. out at the time. So, We had the American version of The Ring. We had, Resi- <laughs> yeah, we had Resident Evil. Dog <laughs> Soldiers. Oh, another great, great British. Movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Grudge, the original. Um, Ghost Ship. Fear.com. <laughs> Cabin uh-huh. Fever personal favourite of mine, Blade 2 wow. <laughs> and The Mothman Prophecies just to name a few um, okay. there is a lot of garbage came out in 2002 no. but these were kind of Cabin like Fever was big for its time and yeah. uh, Dog Soldiers Dog Soldiers great, is great, great Dog Soldiers is a great yeah. movie um, but this uh, especially like Danny Boyle overall his career is a bit funny, not in a bad way um, the best way I could reasonably think to describe Danny Boyle as a filmmaker is that he um is kind of like a genre chameleon. Yes, um, yes. By 2002, when 28 Days Later came out, he had done 
um, his debut was Shallow Grave, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic movie and probably as good as debut as you could get. Yeah, it's a great debut um, film. Followed up by Train Spotting, um, which is massive. Yes, especially yeah, where we're from. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, followed up by um, A Life Less Ordinary, which is a little less known. I loved it. Me and my sister absolutely loved that movie when we were teenagers. Um, it's a good little romantic comedy, but again, it's a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. but a bit out there. Yeah. Um, followed by The Beach, followed by Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, he went on for a lighter tone after 28 Days Later and he'd done Millions which um, is a sort of children's oh, movie yeah, um, yeah. which I think was released with um, proceeds going to charity if I remember right um, and then you know, going on from that he's done Trance, um, Sunshine which he worked again with Alex Garland yeah. um, so like you know if you know any of those movies by title you know that like they're, 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 he's never really settled on just one shot he's always no. tried his hand at something different he's a, one of the, the directors especially in Britain that's mm. um, very looked up to yeah um, um, I think he's great especially when I was a teenager and I was oh, really yeah, first getting sure. into movies Danny Boyle was probably the first sort of like director I was really getting into because you know you, you sort of you follow one director and you get really sort of accustomed to like their style and like their sort of presentation and stuff but with Danny Boyle it was always something different um, and I think that's sort of really what I respect about them the most um, even now like you know Trance nobody talks about Trance either but Trance is a great movie um, I, don't, I don't think I've seen Trance it's great it's like um, uh, Vincent Cassell's the bad guy in it and oh. James McAvoy's like I think the hero in it um, oh wait no maybe I have yeah, yeah Rosario Dawson's like a hypnotist and yes, they're no, trying to steal that is a great film yeah, yeah it's such no, a good film, a great film. Yes. Um, and like you know um, obviously he was meant he was bound to direct uh, James Bond recently and then that all fell through to yeah. some I don't know if it was a creative difference thing or what but sadly that never came to fruit but honestly if it did then we'd probably be living in a much better world yeah. and uh, more famously as well he uh, done was it the 2012 Olympics opening ceremony yes he did yeah yes. fantastic like, good for him <laughs> just all around a good guy yep um, one thing I just very briefly as well was um, when on the special features of the Sunshine DVD there is a collection of just short films not by him um, but in the DVD features he says that the only reason he included it in the DVD was because um, he thinks that if you're interested in filmmaking you need a bit more um, variety in terms of sort of what you're watching and he always thinks that short films are a good example of that mm. um, so he was always like sort of pushing short films and stuff so I don't think we watched 20 Days Later on DVD it didn't have anything like that but Sunshine does mm-hmm. and I think that's a really nice touch and I think that like I can't really speak praise to Danny Boyle enough he's very um, just forward thinking he just he likes what he does and he just wants other people to sort of share the passion of it yeah. as well and 20 Days Later I don't know if it's his best film I think I might say that it is Um but very different to the rest of the catalogue. Yeah, I mean, he's always been one for, especially, well, with 28 Days with Trainspot and the Children. He's quite into, like, the sort of rough grittiness of, like, yeah. Britain. Like, yeah. I think that's really good. And it, even in this, although it's not a normal sense of storyline, it does, it's still gritty and it still yeah. shows you sort of what's probably going on in Britain the at the time. Um, yeah. Probably the greatest, outside of, like, you know, the early stuff like Train Spotting and Shallow Grave and stuff, um, which are really dark straight mm-hmm. from the get-go. Um, 20 Days Later, I think it was a logical step for him to take, really. Yeah. Um, I think, like, you know, obviously a lot of uh, young and up-and-coming directors kind of cut their teeth on horror, but I think it should almost kind of be made law that every director do should do one horror in some 100%. shape or form. Because it's um, worked out best for a lot of people. It has, Even yeah. when they've only done one horror, yeah. it's been... Um, Look at Jordan Peele, he was a comedian most of his life. Yeah. And he's making probably some Incredible of the most creative horror, horror films of the yeah. current age. So, yeah, I mean, I think everybody should try their hand at it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the reason why you see so many B horror movies on, like, 
you know, HMV shelves and stuff is because it's cheap to make and it's easy to do. Anybody can make a horror, but it takes someone really clever to make a good one. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, you know, he had that sort of approach. And Alex Garland, you know, for the most part, is a good writer too. Mm-hmm. Um, although I would say that his writing style in 20 Days Later actually differs quite greatly to his other his, his sort of style that's more popular now no, um, yeah. but we'll get into that as we go in so I think we should really just kind of start talking about it we've done enough preamble I think <laughs> um, <clears throat> just looking forward to talking about it yeah no 100% um, <clears throat> so if we're just going to go sort of straight in we'll, uh, we won't hopefully go into the plot too much we will sort of go through it but we're not going to linger on too, no, too much just, for um, too long little bits and bobs but it does start off pretty <clears throat> straightforward pretty straightforward and yeah. it's pretty fast into what's what's going on um, it's like it's, it opens on a um, like a newsreel montage kind of thing mm-hmm. and um, it I, I don't know if I could prove this I might have to read into it a bit but obviously you think especially like kind of like B-grade horror zombie movies that are coming out in the past couple of years there's that cliche of like the film opens on a montage of news footage that kind of like exposits the world before the movie actually starts mm-hmm. and that's com- become a bit of a cliche now yes. and i don't know if this started it because it's not in the same way it's like there's no, no it's it's not like it's not to show what's going on beforehand in a sense yeah um, how it starts it's more just a montage of terrible things terrible violent events throughout people his... killing people yes people killing people um so it's not in the same sense of like when you watch a I'm thinking World War Z or kind of like Dawn yeah, of the Dead yeah. remake kind no, no, of no, like... No, no, of course, but like when, when it shows you like a news bit that's sort of beforehand yeah. or you've got in The Great, which I'm absolutely sure is ref- like after this, Shaun of the Dead. I don't know if it has a thing like that, but no, it does. But it does, it's got the news. Yeah, the, news the, the sort of comedy bit where it's like... <laughs> I know which bit you mean. But there yeah. is, but you know yeah. what I mean. It's, it's, yeah. There's a lot of news bits in it that are talking about what's going on and um in the current state and beforehand but um yeah this is a bit different so it's you think it is in that sense that it's just um from either present day yeah. or what's going on at the moment and then slowly it zooms out and you see it's just a, on multiple tvs yeah um and this is where you see that a monkey is being made to watch mm-hmm. all of these images very clockwork orangey yes very clockwork um Almost immediately, we have some um, not pro like some kind of eco warrior types. Um, yeah, sort like of come in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I couldn't think of the proper term there <laughs> for a second. Um, they sort of come in and they break the. Well, they attempt to try and free the animals, um, mm-hmm. but they're sort of cut short by um, one of the scientists that are walking in on them, and he sort of begs them not to release the animals. Um, they're infected with a pathogen, um, and one of the angry guys very angrily says, "Infected with what?" To which the scientist, in, in no helpful way, just says. Rage, just rage. Um, Which I think is a great like term. Yeah, but I think um, and really to the credit of the writing again, I've said this a lot when we talked about like upgrade and stuff as well. Is that um, the writing's very economic. Um, the instructions very straightforward. It's very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. But they very quickly are just like if you are bitten, if the blood gets in your mouth, it's in their well, saliva, etc. Then that's it. You're infected. And that's they it. don't need to yeah, explain it. There's anymore. no there's yeah. no learning curve, there's no it, it's kind of it's presented within the first like two minutes of screen time and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um obviously And then the, obviously straight away that you find out that it's man made, it's not Yeah. This isn't some sort of living dead coming to life. Yeah. Um this is more like a man made infection. Um at this point as well I'd like to point out, because it comes up later on, um, is the lighting. 
Hmm. So when they're going through, there is the the red flashing lights. Yeah. Um, and the and that comes up later on. Yeah, like red's red a big light color. A, yeah. a big color through it, which usually is used a lot in zombie movies. It's I the only red. color on the poster. Yes. Yeah. No, 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 I <laughs> it's just red that. and black. Yeah, yeah. yeah. red lighting's a, a big thing, and I'd say like a, a lot of zombie films yeah. it's used. Um, the chimp breaks bulk. The chimp is freed and immediately attacks the first person it sees, and that person's immediately infected. She immediately infects another, and then the movie yeah. starts. And then you also you you learn from this point how how fast. Yeah. Like the um, that's the scariest sort of... thing for me personally. Yes. Um, um, is it takes no time whatsoever. Um, no, it's turn. very, very like yeah. very fast paced. So you know straight away how intense this is. Um, also, which I is a big thing in zombie movies. Is it going to be a slow moving zombie or yeah. a fast moving zombie? And like, you learn pretty fast yeah. that they're um, they're fast. They're fast. Yeah. Um, which was the first, well, it's not the first of its time. As I read up on Wikipedia, apparently the first use of a fast moving zombie was in um, Dan O'Bannon's um, Return of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. Um, but obviously that sort of thing never really came back up again until no. it was really popularised with and then it became later. quite popular yeah. um, you know because then two years after that Dawn of the Dead came out and Zombies Were Fast and that um, Zombies Were Fast almost well, immediately Dawn of the Dead remake Dawn of the Dead remake yeah, yeah. Um, even um, they'd done a two part remake straight to video of um, Day of the Dead where the zombies ran but also were able to like jump very high and climb on walls kind of like spiders and stuff <laughs> so like you know for, for better or worse um, 28 Days Later inspired yeah. this kind of fast moving zombie yeah. thing um, what's probably worth a point in discussion as well, um, there's probably a whole ton of people who are listening to this and thinking, well, you know, well, actually, they're not zombies, and yeah, you're right, they're not zombies. They're yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're technically not, not zombies. It's not like they're they're bringing back the dead, no. it's more and they don't they're die being then infected come back. while they're alive, and yeah. then it's, yeah. you know. I think that's, again, like, probably to its credit, like, it's not an incredibly scary movie. It does have its moments, but I think it's kind of the it's the concepts that are scarier so like you know it's not a zombie virus they don't get bitten then die then come back to life it's like they get bitten and infected and turn within like five seconds and their only goal is just to like either just basically kill you like and that's yeah, it well, it's, it's, it's it, rage it's going virus. Back to, yeah like a primal instinct yeah of, yeah like rage yeah um, it just takes over it's everything completely else primal. yeah like um, self-preservation's which, out the window like yeah. it's just i can see a person there i need to kill them and move on to the next one yeah. And I think that's kind of like, you know, because in a way it's like they're actually still normal. They're still human beings. Yeah. And I think that's the scariest thing about it overall. Um, so yeah, that distinction is clear. But for the sake of argument, we're still going to be calling them zombies or infected just and, throughout. Because yeah. it's just for shorthand. It's, it's, it's easier. easier to explain. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the title card comes up shortly after this. And I really like the title card because... Oh, it's very simple. Yeah, because it's just it's just 28 days later. It just comes up in the corner of the screen. So it's like, it's one, it's the title of the movie. And two, it's that kind of thing that you get in movies yeah. where it's like several months later or whatever. It's yeah. 28 days later. So then it is. And it comes up quite nicely again at the end. Yeah. Um, well, hard cut straight to um, Killian Murphy, who appears to be in some kind of, well, was in some kind of coma, which he wakes up from. Um, full frontal nudity and everything. Nice. And um, he's called Jim in this. Yeah, we don't find that until a bit later. Um, yeah, no, it's just so yeah. if, we, if we do refer to him as Jim. I'm not um, going to be calling him Killian Murphy the whole time. I know, <laughs> it's too much of a mouthful. Um, but obviously he's massive um, in this yeah. in this point. Um, really big currently. Um, but this was sort of one of the, I would say one of the first sort of. Yeah, I mean, you know, a couple of years later you would have been in um, like Batman Begins in like 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even before that, I think he was in, um, is it The Wind That Shakes the Barley and um, Breakfast on Pluto, stuff like that. I think he'd done a couple of other little things that I can't really remember now. 
Um, I mean, this is the this is a big role I remember. From. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, like it was sort of the the first the first time I'd seen him. Yeah. In anything, um, and he's really good in it. Yeah, um, he is. But yeah. Um. So he wakes up from a coma, and again, we're probably not going to go into too much detail about the sort of following scene. But as he sort of wakes up and wanders around, and he realizes that everywhere is completely empty. It's derelict. Um. He goes out into the streets, and the streets are famously, you know, deserted. I mean, if you've not actually seen the movie then you've seen that scene everybody has it's, it's incredible it's on the poster um, it's, um, it's it's such a i suppose it's it's not as much people from around the world know what london's like yeah um but people from britain especially people that have been to london yeah know how crazy london yeah. is it's so loud and it's so busy all the time yeah like it's never you never get like peace and quiet in london and so the scene is for people that know London, is even more scary because yeah. you you would never see London. Yeah, like it's it's very eerie and um like it's because we've been to London several times. You know, if you live in the UK, it's hard not to have been to London. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is it does come as a bit of a shock. And obviously, the way they filmed it was that they just like just didn't let increments of traffic through at a time. Yeah, and it was um, very early. I think, yeah, in the it's like four or well. five in the morning. And they also felt supposedly they filmed they filmed a lot of footage of this, mm. but they only used. I think a minute's worth yeah. in full because it's near to impossible to yeah. block out. And I think by that point, like you know, we have been introduced to our main character, but we don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. We haven't even really heard it. I mean, he sort of said like, "Hello, is anybody there?" A couple of times. Never really heard him speak outside of that. No. So like, if they lingered on it too long, it would probably be a bit tiring. But like, it's just enough to like pack a punch to be like something is seriously very very mm-hmm. wrong here. Um, also, um, kind of in an entertaining kind of way, there's no dead bodies on the streets. You think about an apocalyptic zombie movie, there's always going to be like yeah. corpses lying around yeah. everywhere. And there's like there's a couple of overturned cars, rubbish. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which is great. Um, I really like that kind of thing. You know, he doesn't hear any noise in the background, nothing in the distance. And um, there's a great bit when he tries to look in someone's car and the car alarm goes off, and you actually jump oh, out your skin I, when I, we watched and I've it. I've seen it before, <laughs> and I still jumps in. It's just um, you don't realise how. Especially rewatching it again, I I'd seen it years ago, um, and rewatching it now as a bit older, that whole scene is so much scarier because when you actually think about it, like if you've been in a coma mm. or say imagine just waking up one day and you're just there's there's no one yeah, anywhere. That's literally like, that's how the Walking absolute... Dead starts. Yeah, um, is sort of waking up from a coma and realizing that somehow when you've been asleep everything has gone wrong. Yeah, um, it's which is a scary terrifying. feeling. Like I never really thought about that element of it when I was younger when I watched it. I was more thinking about like the zombie. It's a convenient stuff. kind of plot thing to have the character dropped into the whole scenario, but like safe. Yes. Um, so that they can kind of go into danger later. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, the whole like that whole opening is great. Um, like the music, like we'll sort of touch on the music very briefly. is really really good here. It's mostly guitar based, which is actually quite nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing I've got in my notes is that um, particularly the song while he's exploring the city um, is kind of like for anybody who gets this is very like Akira Yamaoka ish. Um, so for anybody who's a fan of like the original four Silent Hill games. Um, the music is very similar to Akira Yamaoka in the way that it's still horror music, but it has that slight. Like almost dad rock edge to it, mm. but it's still kind of weird. But again, the, it's mostly guitar based. Yeah, it's really really good um, um, soundtrack overall. I don't know um, if they've worked together before. I don't actually know who done the I'm music. Not, yeah, I didn't. Have not sure. Um, but yeah, so this is. So I love the. There's the one bit as well when he's um, walking down the street and they've got this huge wall of missing people. Yeah. I think that is like really really good because obviously it sort of shows that something has happened, mm. um, and then there's. Um, 
newspapers about it that says evacuation. So at this point, you're you're trying to piece things together to work out what what's really gone on. Yeah. Especially for him, and then this is when it gets sort of straight into it, and he goes into a church. Yes. Um, great bit this. Um, there's like bodies everywhere, and it has the iconic um, graffiti on the wall. Um, the end is very is the end is extremely fucking nigh. Yeah, um, very British. Great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this uh, the scene um, is, it sort of climbs the stairs and stands at the top um, and looks over. Yeah. Um, and you see all the bodies. Oh, there's so many bodies. I am yeah. assuming. I don't know because it's. I don't know if they're. I haven't looked this up or anything, but I'm assuming it's like a mass suicide because of possibly yeah because of what's going on. I, I'm assuming it is um, like believers in God hmm. that think that they're getting raptured. Yeah, yeah, that is the rapture, and it's been a mass suicide for that amount of bodies that are lying about. Yeah. It, it might have been an attack in a yeah. church. It could have. It could have been an attack, but I, in my mind, I sort yeah. of see it as a as a mass suicide. Well, I think like you know, um, this is sort of going into sort of spoilers for the end, but also kind of spoilers for the sequel, which by the way is a good sequel. I'm just saying. Yes. Um, but and again, this is kind of the interesting distinction between infected people in 20 days later versus the average zombie is that you know they're driven only just by the instinct of anger and rage so they only just want to go and kill someone or just you know mm -hmm. brutally attack someone whenever they see something or to sort of infect someone and move on um you know there's no self-preservation instinct and they don't and thus they don't eat yes so yes, like it's not like they're it, feeding yeah. yeah so like you know i think it's quite clever for them to have written that into the story where it's like you know they kind of have an expiration date like the virus is scary but naturally it could be over relatively quickly like all they have to do is starve to death yes which yeah. does come up also later on exactly um and i think maybe that's something that maybe they lock themselves in the start but there's still a couple of infected there that sort of spring up so yeah maybe i'm not too sure but it does make a nice setup as well when you know he goes in and there's nothing but bodies lying yeah. across the floor and when he says hello just within like a split second like two, two, two sort of up, pop yeah. up and then the priest sort of comes out of the door and he's obviously infected as well and this is um, Jim's sort of first encounter with um, infected people. I think it's a really interesting part as well as um, putting a bit of religion into it as mm. well. Um, a lot of people talk about, not I'm not personally religious, mm. um, <clears throat> and you aren't either. No. Just, <laughs> but um, a lot of people find solace and safety in religious buildings yeah um and for jim to go sort of into a church yeah to make that his first stop to him sort of says stop. a lot about his character yes um and to have that be the first place to stop and still have danger like absolutely straight yeah. away um that sort of says a lot as as if god is no longer there to help yeah anyone the end is extremely fucking nice yes um, <laughs> Uh, so sorry straight on i mean as i say we won't doddle too much on a lot of the plot because some a lot of the traveling's yeah similar um throughout um but straight away so leaves managed to get away because there's several infected chasing him several infected and he bumps into two people yeah one guy in the awesome outfit <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. um who we stop into a shop and he gets told basically what's happened yeah um, the sort of chase leading up to them sort of expositing the plot to him um, when he's getting chased by infected I just had to say because I love stuff like this I love little things like this um, where the infected chasing him um, get lit on fire by like some Molotov cocktails and there's a lot of Flaming Man stunts in this bit yes, which is great really, yeah, um, really well done Flaming yeah. Man stunts as well like, <clears> the place well where they go to hide as well is a petrol station and mm -hmm. the guy blows up the petrol station to sort of like you know ward off the infected chasing them mm -hmm. and like 
<laughs> for an eight million pound budget, like you know, he 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 stretches every penny to the point where you know, in yeah. that one explosion, like there's several shots within the vicinity of it, but there's also one that's like like taken from like a flat balcony like yeah. several miles away and it like just he got that coverage and i just respect stuff oh, like that where it's like, yeah, like they managed to really get every sort yeah of... he was he was like oh i'm not gonna just get b-roll i'm gonna get the c-roll and the d-roll as well just for this one explosion and it really like you know it's not like the biggest it's a small petrol station so it's a big enough explosion to really have given impact um but i just like stuff like that yeah um, no it's really good like i think it's it's, just, it's very viable like to using your money well yeah probably. absolutely um once they're sort of safe in the petrol station we get introduced to mark and selena um who are sort of going to be our new supporting cast as well they exposit the plot very quickly saying that um obviously things went down very quickly um there's no government um and there's no army there's no police um and i think one thing that's probably the most important thing about this exposition is that they sort of stress like obviously we're very aware of how fast infection goes in terms of like sort of being bitten or whatever and how quickly the turning happens but more so that um when this sort of virus did strike um the time it took for it to sort of completely eclipse society was no time at all yeah um, they had no time for proper yeah. evacuation and obviously we know that because it's called 28 days later yeah. it's literally 20 days later and obviously if jim went into this coma like only a couple of days before like you know it's just short of a month that it mm -hmm. took for things things go wrong it couldn't have even been 28 days for the whole thing to go completely yeah. to shit it might have only been like 17 days yeah. the rest of it's just downtime like, yeah. and i think that's probably again like the sort of scariest aspect of the whole thing yeah um, the fastest travels um, yeah they make the the rules of sort of the the main rules for the film which you do get a lot of this in zombie films and horror films alone but the yeah. two main rules are don't ever go out alone yeah and always travel in daylight yeah um which they do try and do throughout this film yeah although there are moments where obviously that goes to can be avoided and, yeah. yeah um they have to well they don't have to go but obviously jim sort of wants to go back to his parents house to see if they're okay and obviously the outlook is pretty grim straight from the get-go um when they do make it there um jim's fi jim finds both his parents have um committed suicide um and they they're clutching a picture of young jim and this is probably like one of my sort of little favorite like more human moments in the entire movie is the 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 note on the back oh, of the photograph yeah. is quite sad what was it? um like we left you sleeping and now we're going to join you please don't wake up and it's yeah, like don't wake up yeah then, so. and that's like oh god like you know um shows you how bad the situation would have been as well oh absolutely yeah, yeah. You, with this film you don't see anything that's happened yeah like during um to cause this or how it started so you don't see all these elements but it's sort of just these little bits show, show you how how bad it must have been yeah. when it all kicked in like you know i think uh, there's a lot of zombie movies that I like and a lot of zombie movies I think are just completely fine, normal, passable, whatever. And I don't really have any particular preference on how they set it, but I think it's always quite clever when there's when the media is sort of set after the fact. Like so you don't yeah. have to see it kind of fall to shit. Yeah. Um kind of unlike our other movie um, that we're gonna be talking about after, but also even like twenty eight weeks later is kind of the inverse of that where it's like they said, Well, you know, we didn't get to see it happen the first time, so now we're going to do it again so you actually get to see how badly things go mm -hmm. um when it you know when it's at a sort of level um <clears throat> yeah i think both both elements um like zombie movies that start when it exactly when it starts they're interesting i think zombie movies that start after it's happened really interesting it's just two completely different takes yeah on the situation it depends um, on how you want to sort of pace it yeah like, exactly you know, i think um, anything that sort of takes place at the start of it is always going to be a little bit more on the faster pace side mm -hmm. and kind of wants to relish in kind of like the destruction and the chaos yeah. of it 
Um, but if you want to maybe tell something a bit more sort of personal and a bit more um, intimate, mm-hmm. it's probably worthwhile to set it after the fact, yeah. um, when there's kind of no more damage to be done. Yeah, and as, as well, it's more trying to find a wind down to the situation, mm. but it's um, afterwards, um, trying to find safety and what's going to happen, like, from the future from yeah. now, um, because of everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, after this, they stay the night, um, but as Jim is, like, reminiscing about his sort of past family life, um, he gets spotted by some infected, um, and they burst into the house. Yeah, he lights a candle, and the infected spot it from outside, and they burst in the house. Um, very quick action scene that's over in, like, the blink of an eye. It's, mm-hmm. it's over as quickly as it starts, um, which is mostly the case with a lot of these things, is that yeah. they don't, they're not very long and drawn out, it's very, like, no. done and done. Um, Mark and Selena jump in to help, but Mark ends up getting bitten, and Selena just absolutely no mercy whatsoever, just like cuts him down. Yeah. Um, and then just obviously he's infected. That it's, um, is it ten seconds? Something like that. Yeah. Should it's ten seconds they've got to um, kill someone yeah. before they completely turn. So yeah, you Selena makes clear at this point that she will n- not hesitate at any point to yeah. kill anyone. Um, the recurring infected. line is that she'll do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, which comes up several times as with anything it comes up three times in the rule of threes after yep. um, so after that they're back on the move again um, just trying to find something um, and eventually they sort of stumble across a high rise that has like a sort of strobing light in the distance and they realise that yeah, it could be like some Christmas kind of signal light. yeah they realise it could be some kind of signal so they go over to sort of investigate um, making their way up the high rise they're sort of chased down by some more infected again well, I did just before because mm. um, I do like this really that when they go into the high rise there's like a a barricade made of shopping trolleys which in Britain shopping trolleys are yeah. you see them everywhere but um, I thought that was really interesting so there clearly is someone in there that has yeah. tried to sort of make it harder for the infected to yeah. to get through um, not impossible as you learn pretty quickly yeah. at this point but um, at least they're not stupid like they're very athletic yes, like, you yes. Know. which um, speaking of yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, Danny Boyle intentionally had said that for this film he wanted a lot of the, the zombies in it to be athletes Yeah. specifically for how this is shot and anyone yeah. that has seen it I mean how fast you paced yeah. and how these people have to move like he wanted them to be yeah people that were athletic which yeah. um it definitely works for the yeah, film it's like relentless. For um, how, how fast they claim things how fast they jump over things how fast they run it's i think that almost like a sort of better example in the sort of 28 franchise you want to call it that is um actually probably in the introduction in 28 weeks later mm-hmm. um when it's robert carlyle running away from like yes, a massive thing yes. and that's like right in the introduction and that's awful i mean it's yeah. like I think like there are moments where you kind of get to see like the raw athleticism and the raw relentless nature mm-hmm. of like you know the infected as they sort of come at you, but I think um, the intro to Twenty Eight Weeks Later hammers at home oh, probably yeah. a lot lot better. Yeah. Um, although this was kind of the first use of running zombies, yeah. you don't see them run an awful there, lot. There's the great bit that comes up that obviously is not too long after this, but it's the the tunnel scene. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the best. Yeah, showing definitely. of it in the scene in the film is yeah. the tunnel scene. and because it's a ticking clock and everybody likes yes, a ticking clock so, um, so yeah any, um, anyway we'll move on as they uh, make their way up the high rise they run into a fella in like riot gear um, yeah, great. and tells them to <laughs> move along to one of the house and the girl will let them in and after a little bit of a kerfuffle um, they eventually get inside and so does the guy in the riot outfit who is later revealed to be uh, Brendan Gleeson Yes. Yeah, right, so I, I was about to say Donald, and honestly, that's not his son. Um, 
but yeah, he's great. And this is um his his name's Frank with his daughter Hannah. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. He's my favorite character. Frank is great. Um, and he, you know, again the cast is quite small. It doesn't really expand very much, but the characters that they have are nice. And Frank is a great addition as well, and so is his daughter. Um, mostly yeah, just she's because she's actually like quite good because yeah. we have such a funny thing about child actors. Yeah, especially like teenage ones. Yes, and she's yeah she is quite yeah. good. Yeah, and I think um like. The character of Frank in particular is probably quite an endearing one because I think we all know a Frank in a way, like that kind of like lovable family guy who's kind of just a big bear. You can give him a hug and like you know, like when they come into the house and he gets them settled down and stuff and the doors are locked, um, you know he's like, well you know it's time for a celebration. Let's have a drink. And like you know, um, he asks his daughter if they have if they have anything to drink and she says, oh yeah, mum's creme de menthe. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> creme de menthe, oh. like you know. And then he's like, oh great, perfect. And you're like, okay, well you know he's he's making the most of it. And then he's like, where are the glasses? And she's like, in the middle cupboard or whatever. And he's like, no, no, the good ones. And you're like, you know, so he's immediately like hospitable. Um, yeah, it seems he's like they're good-natured. very thankful for yeah. to see people by yeah. this point being by themselves yeah. I mean you learn quite clearly that there was a wife in the situation yeah. I think she might have not been up yeah. until the zombie point but she could have died previously but yeah. you learn that there was one so mm. they've been by themselves for so long at this point um, that they're very thankful there's more people in the house and then straight away we learn when they go to their rooms that Selena doesn't want to take them on board she, yeah. she thinks they're going to be slow them down and they need she specifically says that they need them more than they need, more than them. They, need <laughs> uh, they need us more than we yep, need them that's the that's the line um, so and Frank hears this and does bring it up and he says yeah. that it is true um, to which his daughter says that it's not true, they need yeah. everyone and they decide to work together to, yeah. to get out of there Frank um, has like a wind up radio that has um, some not a distress call but kind of like a know, like a gathering call from mm -hmm. some kind of military body saying that um, the answer to infection is like just outside of Manchester yeah. um, which apparently was like three days drive or something they said they could do it in yeah, I think um, it yeah and so they decide that it's worth to just try it um, mm -hmm. so they jump in Frank's taxi and they head off um, Selena's like pretty sceptical about the whole thing um, but obviously Hannah speaks sense like you said but either way they decide to head off and try and make the best of it <clears throat> um, shortly after this we head straight into the moment you mentioned earlier where they um, go into a tunnel um, which is actually quite <laughs> comically prefaced by um, Jim saying this is a shit idea yeah, um, you wouldn't which, want to go yeah, through like this exactly um, and so they end up going through. Lo and behold, you know, whilst trying to drive over like some rubble, um, tire bursts. They have yeah. to change a tire. Um, they do. It's a it's a bit cliche, but you know, I think it's always quite effective. Where um, they're trying to change the tire, and a swarm of rats comes running their way. Yes. Because they're running away from the infected. You know, I know it's in like a whole bunch of movies where it's like birds really fly away well from done, scary things. Yeah. That bit where the the rat scene, like it's, goes. It yeah. yeah. It's, um... um. But then obviously following that, there's a. The long silhouettes are getting cast on the wall as um the infected are sort of running towards them at great pace yeah. and so it becomes a ticking clock to try and you know get the tire changed get into the car and drive off again um there's not i'm sort of going to interject where like you know I, I watched this movie a lot when i was a teenager i used to absolutely love it again because i was just obsessed with danny boyle movies um but i showed this movie to my mum when i was a teenager as well and the funny thing is and again i've not watched this in a really long time so it was good to watch it again but I always remember that when my mum watched it, she said that um, 
She didn't like it because she felt like she could never relax. She always felt like the, the movie was all, always operating at like 100. There was mm-hmm. never a moment to like sit and breathe and take it easy. And I can tell you now that that is just not right. It's completely wrong. <laughs> like, in, in fact... I mean, I get it because you never really know in, in this film what's going to happen at any point. No, but um, I think like the this is... Surpri- if you just stack it up now in percentage to like what is cam stuff and what involves any infected running away mm-hmm. fast paced stuff it's like cam stuff is like 80% of the movie like yeah. any sort of fast paced horror stuff is only like a very very small amount of the movie yeah. um, there's this is something that sort of you know applies to video games and movies there's a great um, write up by George Weedman on Super Bunny Hop about it and it's the concept of like quiet time Mm-hmm. Where like even like especially like in a video game or a movie, if something, if you if a big action set piece happens or you know you're doing a particularly hard level or whatever, um, it's always really nice to have a little moment where you can kind of just stop and think and sort of reflect on everything that's happened, and it just keeps the pacing like nice and relatively light. Like there are a lot of movies that operate at like one hundred and stay there and feel fine for it, but you know it's exhausting. Like I'm thinking about like you know like your uncut gems or like your mother or whatever, where it's like everything is so constantly a high that is kind of exhausting no, no, I know like it does have I just I just meant more that you, you're you on edge for the terms of that you don't know what's going to happen yeah yeah um, but there's a lot of there is but there is downtime there's a lot of brevity like, no 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 I know it just, I suppose it depends what sort of person you are watching yeah. it because I mean if you're constantly thinking like yeah. even at the the sort of quiet points or yeah. the nice points that will go down but it's, well, it's, it's kind of what I mean it's like immediately after the scene in the tunnel which mm-hmm. is like you know it's like edge of your seat it's fast paced it's like kind of horrifying and then immediately after like not even like a second after they pull the car in and go shopping and like a happy song plays and you find out that like selena really likes terry's chocolate oranges and then you find out that um frank is like a big whiskey malt whiskey fan mm-hmm. and he's like telling jim what the best ones are and like it's just a fun scene and like you know they're they're leaving with their like trolley's shitload full of food and like um, no, Frank leaves like, the yeah. credit card on top of the it's tell a, at the end I mean like, it's a good character building element as well because before this point obviously Selena's a bit nervous yeah she's a bit um, she's very hard yeah and then <clears> after this you sort of see a softer side um, and you see them getting together um, it is a nice little scene that yeah um, but I think like I think that's probably the charm of 28 Days Later is that there's a lot of moment it's not one, it's not operating at 100% all of the time and when, mm-hmm. when it does operate at 100% it absolutely does like it's, it's great but it does know when to take a step back every now and again and just yeah. let the characters breathe let the viewers kind of breathe for a minute um, and I, I, something I've always really appreciated um, which is absolutely unlike the movie that follows this but yeah um, so they've gone shopping and then they're back on the road um, there's a very small scene where they uh, stop to get petrol yeah, they siphon the gas mm. out of them because obviously petrol stations don't be working. Yeah. So they're siphoning gas from a big truck, um, and they say to like stay together. Jim goes off, which I thought was just such a stupid like. We watching this, I was like, why are you though? Like, cause he's just... <laughs> he makes a very odd comment about like you know, cause it's like one of those really sort of dingy like roadside mm-hmm. service stations, and like you know, seen as like don't go inside, and he's like, but we don't have any cheeseburgers because there's a big like sign that says like the last cheeseburger you'll have for like a million miles or whatever mm. and I was like but obviously you're not going to get a cheeseburger I know <laughs> and I know that he knows that but it's also like why bother like it, you know mm-hmm. sort of Jim's character a little bit quite a lot of the time is like kind of impetuous sometimes and you're kind of like what are you doing like yeah. you know 
Um, but he's like just a blank slate enough for like the sort of viewer to be put on so that yeah. like you can kind of because again he's kind of the viewer character like he wakes up knowing nothing kind of like what the viewer mm. kind of does um which we the, you kind of need this um this scene as well because it's the first time that jim actually kills yeah um something and it's a child yeah. that's infected um sort of you realize by that point how much it sort of shakes him up yeah um, and I think after this point, he sort of takes the situation a bit seriously. Yeah. Um, especially for like wandering off by himself. Yeah. The um, the child that he kills that um, inside the service station actually um, speaks, which is weird. Um, he says, "I hate you." Oh yeah. Yeah. And again, like I think that's, uh, you know, they're not zombies, whatever. But I think that's the different the difference between sort of twenty days later and any sort of other effort sort of zombie movie. Um, you know, it's gone in on the fact that it's not some kind of virus that makes people into sort of undead flesh eaters. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just a human emotion just cranked up to a million. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and the fact that like, it doesn't happen again, I don't even know if it happens in the sequel, but there it does speak. And I think that's yeah. probably the weird, like, there's an intelligence in there, and I think that's kind of the scariest thing about 28 Days Later more than yeah, anything. Yeah, because it's not like their intelligence has gone out there, like, gone no. in the bin, um, like, when they turn. Yeah. Um, they're still sort yeah. of what they are it's just as you say it's just with rage cranked up to yeah. like 100 percent rather than exactly up. um they move on from that and then they go and park um and sort of camp the night in sort of like a local ruin like an old castle ruin or something yes. um there's a really great scene where um they uh sort of encounter like a, a group of horses just sort of running Gunner. through the fields yep. Uh, that's a really nice little scene as well. Again, it's, it's just it's the little scenes, it's the little nice bits um, mm. that sort of make up the the real core of this film altogether. Um, you know, they even like, convince Frank to let um, Hannah have a Valium so she can sleep better. Yeah. Um, Jim has one as well, and I think in a daze he actually calls Frank dad. Yeah, he has a nightmare um, that they leave. Yeah. They leave without him, um, and it's Frank that wakes him up to say that he's having a nightmare. Yeah. Um, which is another sort of element of realizing that they're together in this hmm. um so and, and yeah as you say in a daisy calls him dad and i think it sort of takes frank aback a bit because yeah. he is sort of the, fa- the father figure in yeah. this film for all of them yeah um, straight from the get-go as soon as they meet him he's been completely hospitable yeah um, and he has been there for everyone exactly and i think obviously it sort of shows more into the vulnerability of um jim as well you know having yes. just sort of lost his parents and being in this whole sort of confusing scenario um obviously has sort of taken a toll on him as well so he kind of like shows a moment of weakness which I think is really nice and just a nice little touch in the writing that really just adds an extra bit of humanity straight straight away um, there's this great shot as well when they're they're driving into Manchester so obviously they've woken up yeah Um, they haven't left Jim um, which sort of does the same wake up that he has in his nightmare yeah but obviously they're there Um, they're driving off they're pretty much at Manchester now they're driving in and they say you see Manchester on fire. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, if anyone's drove up the motorway towards that, I mean, I used to drive down a lot going to Northampton. Um, but you know, sort of as you come like over, you know what that looks like, and to see that like completely engulfed in flames. Yeah. Pretty intense. And it's certainly just in the distance as well. It doesn't milk it too much. Like no. you know, it's a it's a nice minor effect mm-hmm. um again budget was probably quite small probably couldn't afford to sell and yeah. say on fire um, I mean, that one explosion probably took all the budget away <laughs> yeah they, they kind of say as well which is an interesting thought is um obviously it's, it's still on fire yeah. i think they say 
and it's with the fact that there is no fire services so yeah. you can't put out these fires exactly so they basically just burn to to the ground yeah um, they'll burn until they stop yeah yeah and um this is sort of when it moves on and gets to another big scene so they finally find the blockade which is completely deserted frank yeah. takes it quite badly because they drove all the way there yeah he's been the one sort of keeping hope yeah for everyone and, and he was then, the one that suggested it as yeah, well you know and realizing at this point that there isn't an army and there isn't anyone to save them really sort of hits him hard yeah and um, sort of disappears to go and sort of think it out yeah at this point what, what to do from this point onwards are you wanting to uh oh. so uh, yeah and in, in his sort of like tantrum um frank ends up getting infected by and I mean, like, you know, this is not an easy scene to watch. I absolutely hate this scene. Like, this is probably, yeah. like, my least... There's a lot of, like, especially in, in this last act, um, there's a lot of very uncomfortable, horrible scenes. Um, but I think this one in particular really hits me the worst because, you know, uh, Frank ends up getting infected, but it's literally just from a drop of blood in the yeah. eye from a body that's, like, hanging above, um, yeah, on, like, a barbed no wire attack. fence. There's yeah, there's nothing. It's, it's just... You can, yeah, it's just like you can survive all this shit like you can literally outrun a whole bunch of infected in a tunnel um while trying to change a tire on your fucking taxi but it's just a drop of blood in the eye that gets you mm. and it couldn't have happened to a worse person like you know yeah just like we something that completely doesn't deserve exactly it, really. yeah um and sort of like you know it doesn't even take like a second it takes less than a second yeah, for it to is... click with frank where yeah. he's like oh shit here we go and he um, realises straight away um, yeah. the, the situation and straight away he's like, right, you need to yeah. you need to get away. Um, Selena realises what's happened. Yeah. But even she is taken aback for a second yeah. instead of jumping straight into... Yeah. Um, which is actually probably kind of a bit foreshadowing for later on where it actually takes less than a heartbeat for Selena to do anything. She actually says, um, Jim, he's infected, you have to kill him. Yeah. Um, thankfully... Um, someone else does the killing for them because then that's when the army turn up and shoot Frank dead. Which is another annoying moment, but I know it's supposed to be annoying. But yeah. The fact that literally, like, a like, few seconds after. You could have just happened, been there and you could have avoided it. They could have been it, there, yeah. but instead they're, like, hiding. When, uh, yeah. Um, which you, you, later on, I wonder if it's intentional. Oh, like, probably. Trying to get yeah. rid of someone in the group. Yeah. Especially a father figure. Mm. Um, I think it's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is when you meet the army. You get taken to the base and you meet Major Henry West played by the impeccable Chris Reckleston. Oh of course um, which obviously um, Shallow Grave yeah. um, was one of I think yeah the it was Danny Boyle's first Danny film yeah so um, you sort of learn at this point that they're probably friends yeah. Um, but yeah Chris Reckleston is incredible he's very good in this um, um, he makes a great bad guy just like he does in Shallow Grave but a very different um, quality of bad guy, bad guy. Um, I think Henry West's kind of appeal as a bad guy is that he is, um, like, you know, he's the major, he's like leading this small army group, but he's not like, you know, you think like a sort of like army leader of some kind in a movie like this, they're always going to be like, um, <laughs> we just recently watched Day of the Dead, mm -hmm. and it was a great movie by the way, but um, Joe Palato plays the bad guy military leader in that, and he is like cartoonishly over the top commanding yep. army, you know, that kind of cliche that you see in a lot of movies. Um, and I think the the benefit of Chris Reckless's character in this is that he's actually he's quite um, he's quite understated. He's very well, he's intel I think he's pretty intelligent. Is one way of putting mm -hmm. it. Like um, he's a lot more 
don't want to say classy because he's not he's a horrible guy but like you know more so than the people he's surrounded with he is kind of of a different class if yes, you know what I mean especially it's the the men in the army are very boisterous very young yep. um, there's there, only one there's one that sort of would be better in charge than Christopher Eccleston the one guy that yeah. um, obviously seems to be the smarter more grown up one out of everyone yeah. that's trying to sort of tell them to basically pull their socks up and act like you know, you know soldiers soldiers um, they get taken in, they get given a tour of the whole place, you know, that they uh, they have barbed wire fences, they have an elevated position, they have landmines out the front, um, you know, little bits like that, they get to show the kitchen and like, you know, the only sort of real bit of levity with the whole army bit towards the end here is where they have like the one guy who's the chef cook, or he's trying his best, he's not yeah. actually a cook, and he's wearing like they a frilly pink apron, yeah, that's it, Everest, <laughs> great line. Um, and you know he's like making dinner for tonight and it's like oh what is it tonight and it's like it's going to be a surprise like you know he's proper getting into it and you can see in his face he's having a great time but he's obviously not good at cooking um yeah we won't go to it because this is quite a long this whole bit's kind of long so um the, the main elements is this is when christopher eccleson takes jim around and shows yeah. him about and you find out that there's a chain infected Mela in the back I think it's in the back area yeah, like the back yeah. garden sort of chained up which he doesn't tell Jim that there's someone chained up yeah. you just wait and there's this great bit coming through like a close line with white sheets on it and the infected running through and um, he explains that it's this is how they're going to find out and it's not like how to cure the situation yeah. it's just basically to find out how long it takes them to die for starvation, to die for starvation. Yeah. which kind of is like oh well is that like so that's what everyone's basically It's a very to do. cold efficiency. Like, you yeah, know, like um, it, it does make sense, but it's yeah. also like, oh, okay, that's it. Yeah. Like, um, I know we're going to sort of breeze through this last bit. Um, there's one sort of bit in particular. Before things go completely south for the climax, mm-hmm. um, there's obviously a big sort of dinner scene where they all get together um, to have sort of dinner and sort of toast the new guests and stuff. Um, and this bit in particular is it's kind of interesting for me because, like, you know, um, I am a fan of. Alex Garland's writing and I am a fan of Alex Garland's style only maybe more so with like the release of his own movies that he's been directing and the TV show that he's yep. recently done as well um, but 20 Days Later is kind of a bit of an outlier um, in terms of like you know that style that he's sort of come to adopt now um, you know Alex Garland's writing now is very focused on kind of like you know very um, contemplative sci-fi elements you know like devs is based on like you know the concept of like determinism and mm-hmm. like are we operating on like a set path or do we actually have free will and like you know very heady ideas you know lots of very um colorful scientific language and stuff as well and very well read like you know he's read up all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. ahead of time for his writing process same with ex machina as well you know like he's talking yeah. about like the concept of like you know <clears throat> he knows artificial intelligence about. and free will and that's again is very like a very elevated thinking very elevated writing and there's not really much of that in 20 Days Later. It's very, like, you know, grassroots. It's very simple. But Which that dinner scene has it. Yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, I think it's a lot more grounded in the terms of who we are as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of mention of it's It's just people killing, killing people. people. That's that's how it's been for years. That's yeah. This is no different. And this the scene, are you talking about when they're talking about... When they're at the dinner table. Is this normal? Yeah, and what then there's normal? the... Nor- the, the, the the other soldier the the other good soldier i guess you could say and he has that whole kind of thing where he's like well you know if you actually just look at the you know 
the timeline of planet Earth. Like, humans have literally only been here in the blink of an eye kind of thing. Like, that's the only kind of, like, Alex garland kind of style of writing in this entire movie. But I think it really, like, for the for the third act of the movie, I think it sums it up quite well, because it's not just a mindless zombie movie. Like, it has its little bits there to kind of be like, what, you know, I think, like, the walking dead for example like you know i used to love that show and then i gave it up because it just got shit over time mm -hmm. like you know the first like season is really really good because i feel like that it has that theme that a lot of zombie media has where it's like but who are the real zombies and i feel like yeah. you can either only do that kind of thing in a movie because it's short it has one runtime yeah, and it's over it yeah and you can express that theme quite succinctly you can't do it in a TV show because it's just it gets boring and there's mm -hmm. not many ways you can really express that theme very thoughtfully. Um, it does and, work well in this. Yeah, and again, because they're not necessarily zombies, they're just human beings. They're just very angry. Yeah. They're only just an exaggeration of what we are as normal people. Yeah. Like you know, um, to cycle all the way back to the beginning of the movie when Mark um, sort of tells his backstory, where like he says that like you know his family were like let's get out of the country and they tried to get like a plane or a train mm. or something out of the country they tried to buy their way yeah they tried to buy their way out and then like he lost his family from being crushed under like dozens and maybe hundreds of civilians trying to get mm. out of the country through this airport or whatever and it's that kind of thing like it's you know it's just it's a hysteria thing like, that's what human beings are like we're normally panicky mm -hmm. terrible people <laughs> like you know and i think that works a lot better in the theme of the movie being like it's not they're not zombies they're no, not flesh eaters they're, they're not yeah. undead they're just human beings that are just you know exaggerations of the, how we yeah, are the normally sur survivalist point i mean it talks about it very well in that bit with mark and he talks about his family and it's people basically crushing other people mm. to get themselves out of a situation um and the same with when they're in this base with the army who are supposed to be the sort of saviors and mm. people to keep them safe turn out to be complete opposite. Yeah. Um, well, they still say that they're going to keep them safe and stuff. But horrible, horrible people. Um, they're sort of fending for themselves as well. They're not mm. fending for these other people that yeah. they're supposed to be helping. They're doing everything that they can for them. And this is where you get to the point that Christopher Eccleston talks about the fact that he has promised his men women. Yeah that's why they're there i think the like that sort of comes in as kind of like not like a twist but it kind of comes in as like the reveal that sets the climax in motion mm -hmm. sort of going forward and i even think like even like the choice of language that he uses like i promise them women like that's such a almost like neanderthalian mm -hmm. kind of way of which it. does because he says that it's we need a future women need a future yeah um that's which is a very neanderthal yeah thing it. it's very yeah. a lot of this film is primal primalistic yeah. Um, you've got the, the infected who become completely primal yeah. um, and then these people that because of what has happened sort of switch back to their primal instincts yeah. and for things um, but yeah from this forward it becomes really for kind of horrible for yeah. a long period they try and get rid of Jim so they take Jim and the other good soldier yeah. out, basically out to the woods to shoot them yeah. um, these two young guys that are very laddish are out there basically to get rid of them straight away sort of jim tries to find anyway yeah uh, the, the good is it the good soldier that sort of eggs them on to kill him well he the good soldier is sort of like saying that oh, kill me because like the two people that are out there to shoot them i mean they're both arseholes but one in particular is um he doesn't want to just shoot the guy he wants to like eke it out and so he like use, he's going to use his bayonet to like yeah. stab him and he's like, just shoot me, just shoot me. Like, is it as I would be in a situation like that? Yeah. I'd be like, fucking put that away, just shoot me. Like, you know, yeah, please don't stab yeah, me to death. It's just, 
Yeah, so at this point, Jim gets a moment where he can sort of... Escape. Escape. Manages to escape. Hides in a bunch of bodies. Yeah. To sort of get out of the way of looks. And this is when it goes back to obviously the base. These, the soldiers are freaking out now because they're like, oh God, like, he's got away. And then one of the guys is like, no, he's jumped the fence. He's never going to survive. He's out there by himself. He has no weapon. Yeah. It's where all the infected are. Like, he's screwed. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Basically, they just won't tell anyone. So I think they go back, they don't tell their officer or anything. Um, back in the base, they're getting the women... Well, I say women, it's not. It's, it's, it's a woman and a child. And a child to um, dress up in the clothing of the person that owned the place previously to look nicer for these guys. And just from this point, it's just horrible. There's the bit where they're trying to get them changed and Selena manages to persuade them to leave. So they can get changed. It's it's the right thing to do, I think yeah. she says, or the the classy thing to do. Um, and straight away she tries to feed Hannah Valium, and Hannah's sort of is like, "Oh well, why are you trying to kill me?" And she's like, "I'm not trying to kill you. I'm just trying to numb you." Yeah. Which is horrible. I like, know. This whole like drawn out situation is so bloody awful. Um, Hannah sort of said, "Well, you says half was." good enough last night and she's like yeah well two's good enough now mm. so if selena knows what's coming hannah doesn't know what's yeah. about to happen um so the guys come storming in to try and say what's happened but hannah's already taken the valium by this point um and straight away this is when there's the floodlights outside go off yeah. so there's attack happening so all these guys have to run out to try and fight off what's ever happened and at this point Jim's Jim's, Jim's just been like the ultimate saboteur really like he's just like kind of throwing these um, army guys for a curveball you know mm-hmm. he's like I think by this point he's really fed up like yeah. he's so like I think he hasn't up to this sort of up to the point where Frank dies Yeah, I think it hasn't completely and utterly hit him yeah. about what the situation is I think it, it hit him by that point and then by coming in and thinking that they were safe having these men turn against him and basically told them what they're going to do with the situation yeah. he's just like through the roof which, yeah like he transforms by the end yes. like i think that's so by this point is, which it comes in at the end of this sort of scene perfectly but it goes completely primal yeah like, he does he is, he is basically an infected yes um, is, um, so he's storming trying to find the ways to get through he um un unchains me unchains yeah um who's now loose in the house yeah um, so you've got one of the infected inside, you've got Jim sort of going around the outside of the building trying to get in and trying to sort of make sure everyone's basically killed off. Like yeah. He just does not care about anyone apart from Selena and Hannah. Um, like he already killed them to get back at the, um, the barricade bit as well. Like he um, like <laughs> whacked a guy out with um, like a lead pipe or something. Oh yeah. And like yeah. put him back in like a truck to like lure um, the major yes, out. It's like a major, diversion. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the major got attacked by some infected on the way, but he yeah. gets away safely-ish. But yeah, so it's, it's sort of there's this long scene of um, basically like where's everyone, where's yeah. infected and stuff. Um, Selena's trying to look after Hannah, who's basically out of her face at this point. Yeah, um, it's actually almost, it's almost kind of funny, but I kind of feel like it shouldn't be. Like yeah. the way that she kind of just like, well, like it, why are we running? <laughs> she's but she the the interesting point is she's. It, she keeps saying that she just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. This is the she just doesn't care. But she kind of doesn't care if they get killed or like what. She's just like completely. We're well, not giving up because it is the drugs that's causing it. But um, 
yeah, that whole just sort of giving up notion yeah. is kind of what it is. And then you finally get Jim McCom in to save them. You have this great bit with a really, 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 really bad guy. Yeah. Um, he knocks knocks him to the ground and he has a weapon close by, but he decides to use his fingers to gouge out his eyes yeah. to kill him. And um, it also comes up with 28 weeks later as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like completely primal bypass. Like he yeah. just physically just wants to use hands. his hands to kill this person. Then he goes to Selena to sort of say, like, you're safe, and she completely freaks. She thinks that he's, like, 100% infected yeah. um, because of how he's acting, which I think there's this great bit. Um, she doesn't kill him. Yeah, she, she has, hesitates. hesitates um, and then realises that he's not infected, um, and he makes this great point that... Took longer than a took heartbeat. Took longer than a heartbeat. Which is also, again, um, you know, third time's a charm, and that's yeah. the third time it actually came up. Which I think so, that's, this whole bit's like a really great, yeah. nice. It's a good bit of writing, um, and just generally, like, the whole the whole sequence of sort of Jim going about almost kind of like Batmaning the entire thing, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, and he's, he's you know, on top, he doesn't really kill many people, apart from, like, the first guy with the lead pipe, and then the other guy with the eyeballs, like, he only. He, he is ruthless but in a very efficient kind of way but like he breaks into like a room at one point and like there's that soldier like hiding on the floor and he's like I don't have any bullets I don't have any bullets and then Jim just climbs out the window while the infected break in the door and just lets them have at it you know he's just like you know, running along rooftops in the pouring rain yeah. and, and there's a there's a lot of bits in this as well when he's inside there's the red flashing lights again which yeah, he said would yeah. come up there's these great bits with him running down the halls yeah. and everything with the, the red warning lights going off um, yeah, so he kills this guy. Selena nearly kills him. Realizes, and then there's this great bit when Hannah comes in and just starts hitting, hitting him, him. Yeah, and she's just like, "He's infected." I thought he was biting you. Yeah. I was kissing her. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like a nice. There, there are all these bits after these horrible, horrible yeah. scenes. It's a sort of light bit of humor. Again, brevity um, always works, you know. Um, and I think that's really good in this, like, the, especially Hannah's so late in the game, like... as well with the situation. It's like great. Yeah. Um, they um, decide to make their final getaway. Um, they get back into the taxi that they arrived in, um, but the moment they... Oh, oh you know, I was going to say that, I thought you were going to bypass No, no, it. they get into the taxi, and um, obviously Major West is sitting in the back and shoots Jim. Um, also, like, we've not mentioned this already, but Hannah actually does not know how to drive the taxi. She's mm-hmm. driven the taxi several times at this point, um, so she just, like, hard reverses the taxi into the door of the manor um, so that the infected can pull... Um, it's a great bit as well. Yeah, they just pull him clean out the window and just grab him and she just drives away so they can pull him out fully and then they get into the taxi and they drive away, uh, crash into a fence that's locked to see if they can get through mm-hmm. it and there's like a a freeze frame that sort of essentially ends right. the... Yeah. It's, it's sort of at the end of the movie at this point. Um, and again, a nice call back to, well, the title of the movie and also, you know, um, after the freeze frame, it comes up in the corner of the screen again. 28 days later and that's also kind of like it's nice because it it capstones the end of the movie quite nicely but it also is just a function of the plot like it is literally just which is the exact same as the opening title as well like it prefaces like you know how long time has passed in the narrative but also just telling you the title of the movie Um, and I think it's quite nice it bookends quite nicely and it ends quite simply with you know Jim waking up Um, they're in a cottage in the middle of the country they make a big tarp sign um so that a passing jet finds them we also find out that um a lot of the infected have sort of been dying off recently due to starvation and stuff mm-hmm. as well and then the movie ends, ends. yes yeah, it's, it's a nice little end in it it's, it's you know it's sometimes nice to have a happy end yeah it's nice to be optimistic um the countryside element's really interesting hmm. um but starting the film in a big city yeah london um 
also this is something that's very called back in I'd say most zombie films um, depending where they're set a big thing with zombie films is like where would you be safer would you be safer in a city where yeah. it has higher buildings um, shopping malls like like Dawn of the Dead yeah um, you have these different elements in city to countryside and then you have the other side of zombie films it's like no you would be safe in countryside because yeah. You can see for a longer area of it's more space. Isolated. There's, it's more isolated. But there's probably also quiet. like less food in a way. Like yeah, if so you you, can, have, you can scavenge yeah. a city for things, but you can't really scavenge the countryside yeah. unless you know how to work hunt. agriculture yeah. or hunt and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's, it's sort of these. I think it's really interesting to you start in a city and end it in the countryside. And I, like I have always like it's one of those debate where would you rather be in a zombie apocalypse would you rather be in the countryside or rather i would probably rather be in the country i feel like i could probably teach myself relatively well enough how to like grow things and like you know even like something that this is really an odd thing actually but um i think as well if you're in the countryside but you were close enough that you could drive i mean if if driving is still feasible at this point um to somewhere that you could get you know supplies Mm. and stuff but yeah, the countryside, the isolation sort of point of it is really interesting. I mean, saying that, we just recently watched um, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, the, the remake That's of Night of the Living Dead, yeah. kind of set in the It's not in it the country. It is kind of set in the country, yeah. Technically, that doesn't work in the same element because it's right next to a graveyard, so that's yeah. why it is... Um, but yeah, you, you have the same issue that if it is massively flocked by zombies in the countryside, yeah. then you are kind of... Um, I mean, you do have to certainly your way about. Like, this is something weird. Like, because I actually had watched um, Twenty Days Later for the first time when I was quite young. Um, but um, I always remember this quite vividly. Where like, there's a bit when Frank is sort of showing Jim around um, the flat tower block, and when they go to the roof, he's got like dozens of like buckets mm-hmm. and like plastic sheets to like catch condensation for clean water, and strangely, as a child, I already knew about that. I'm sure I learned that in school. Like yeah. the whole kind of like. The yeah, plastic sheets to catch condensation well do, um, yeah. yeah. And I always just remember thinking, oh wow, I already know that. Like I'm already set. Like you know, <laughs> like just so long as you know how to like plant vegetables and stuff, yeah, I think you're kind of fine. Smart and you kind of you a, know how to ration, yeah. Um, how to either collect foods or yeah, as you say, if you're good with land, yeah. Or if you own animals, mm. I mean, if if it's someone that owns farmland that already has like cows and sheep, um chickens yeah. which would be a big one because in a zombie apocalypse kind of perfect for having chickens but you yeah. get eggs from chickens get chicken um, from chickens chicken for chickens um, you know like fresh food elements um, yeah it's a big one it's sort of everyone sort of debates whether they can survive a zombie yeah. apocalypse but I think this film's done really great because you have people from all different sort of elements and walks yeah. of life and stuff coming together um, in a very nothing's really over the top in this you know it's not like a zombie film where it's no. you know crazy scientists and all this it's just basically like yeah. what's happening I think like you know um, with sort of movies like this the one thing I always kind of worry about is you know I, I've always kind of dug the aspects of horror where it's like you know it's not that it's not explained it's just that they don't really feel the need to tell you mm-hmm. um, I always fear that moment that I always call the, when the guy in the white jacket turns up you know, like, yes. there's always that bit in a movie where suddenly they run into, like, the scientists and it's like, oh, what we tried to do was this and it went wrong and now it's like this or whatever. And although that is essentially at the start of the movie... You get a little it, bit, but they yeah. don't need to over-explain no, it. No, they don't just, say, like, like... this has happened, yeah. that's it. Like, they don't you know. say, we made this virus so we could sell it as, like, a, a biological weapon to the highest bidder in, like, you know, private military corporations, whatever. 
or like you know we're trying to extend the human lifespan or nonsense like that it's just like we're just made they just made it and it just got out like that's it you know they don't find the scientist later on who wants to sort of like you know redo his ways or whatever and um, what's probably before we kind of finish up with this one i think um we probably should mention that there's an alternate ending to this as well yeah so it was never filmed um... uh, we'll talk about it briefly but i think only just like we're not going to go into details essentially um if you have it on dvd you'll see that there's a storyboarded version um of the alternate ending that is voiced by danny boyle and alex garland and um it's basically that they go to the barricade like normal but the army isn't there um, and so they end up going to um, some kind of building nearby that's like a lab of some kind. Uh, Frank still dies, um, but as they sort of get there, they realise there's a guy who's locked himself in a room and he's keeping himself isolated. Well, they, he doesn't die. They well, he's infected. Tie, he's infected. Yeah. So, but, but they, they knock tie him, him out. Up, yeah. um, Take him with them. Yeah. Um, and it's is it supposed to, it is supposed to be the lab from the start of the film, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, yeah I think it's, they, they don't say in, that in the thing, but I think it's implied because they, they have the chimp room. cages. Yeah, but they yeah. walk and there's the TVs yeah. as well um, that were at the start. Yeah, um, um, the fellow who's locked himself into isolation tells them that the sort of, not the cure for infection, but because the infections in the blood, they can only really transfuse a full, a full body blood transfusion with clean blood will pretty much. Yeah, cure anybody that's infected um, they do a blood test real quick and find out that Jim is the only they find out that Jim is the only person who's um, positive for the same blood type yeah. as Frank um, so they do a full body transfusion um, Frank gets away fine and then it's Jim that's left behind and he's like strapped to this table and he's like writhing and you know infected and like the screens are directly above him which mirrors the start of the movie as well which that part sounds fine yeah. um, I don't know about the rest of it personally they did admit that when you actually watch that feature on the DVD that they'd written themselves they'd written themselves into a corner where they couldn't really <laughs> explain that like because it's an infection of blood how do you do a full blood yeah, full they were body saying, how can blood you transfusion manage to completely take the blood yeah. and clean through the, the arteries of the yeah. body. To like how do you get into the like the yeah, air sacs in your lungs? Yeah, and all that kind because of stuff. if if you can be infected by a tiny tiny drop of blood in the eye, then how yeah. can um, how can you completely get rid of the infected blood from the body? Yeah, which is good that they actually thought like, oh no, well this isn't really possible because well, or at least we can't explain how this would be possible, so we're just not going to do it. Yeah. which um, I think is good. And the ending they have is a lot better. A lot yes. better. Um, <laughs> Sorry, our cat's uh, here again, as always. As always. But yeah, overall, um, 20 Days Later is a great movie. Um, you know, Definitely it, would recommend for people, especially that are into zombie films, probably already seen it. Yeah. Um, being, like, British, it is one of those ones people talk about. Yeah. Um, you've got a fair, like, a few British sort of horror films that are really sort of big. Hmm. Um, or became big from what they are this is definitely one of them yeah 28 days not even just like zombie movies as a whole but sometimes i think even just like sort of horror sort of stuff in general i think really sort of came into its own kind of after 28 days later yes 100 like. percent. it definitely paved the way for british movies yeah especially british horror it's funny actually that we were talking about obviously dog soldiers mm. <laughs> um which is another yeah um british one that sort of was in the movement at this point I, from here you also get great films like Shaun of the Dead, which yeah. talks about obviously their love from for zombie films as a whole. Yeah, Attack um, the Block. Yeah, we've got Attack the Block. Um, 
all these sort of in in newer days, which don't know if we'll talk about, maybe, but um, the ritual came out a couple of years back. Yeah, it's a great piece of British cinema. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really, I think this really did pave the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for yeah, British. It was films. kind of the you know it was the rebirth and also the death once again of kind of like the genre because obviously it reinvented like the sort of rules by which normal zombies play by, i.e. that they move fast. Um, but also like you know so like two years later um, the Dawn of the Dead remake came yeah. out and kind of like blew up again um, and then again not fast zombies but it definitely revitalized zombies as a whole because then a couple of years later the Walking Dead TV show started yeah. and is still going yeah. World um, War Z World War Z um, even all the you know because of that obviously all the of the dead Romero movies that came out again Georgie Romero got back into the director's seat again he done Land of the Dead after this yep. um, and then he was Diary of the Dead which is just pants um, <laughs> but then also the straight to video remakes of his movies so like you know Day of the Dead had two part remakes that were straight to video as well um, you know so like its impact is, is long lasting and again because it was such a sort of indie hit as well yeah. it's very economic like it stretches every penny like you know a, a thing that you pointed out we've not actually talked about it yet is that um, even for the time it was shot on relatively low tech um, yes. equipment um, it was shot on a DVX uh, mini camera um, which is easier for hand holding it's actually more available commercially and mm-hmm. um, more so than sort of like for professional use although a lot of professional people use it I'm sure even David Lynch used it for Inland Empire um, I mean, it does generate a look. If you've seen 28 Days Later, you know exactly what we mean. It's yep. very, and I say this word a lot, but it's very crunchy. Yes. Um, it's very film grainy, and it's very, very crunchy and lo-fi looking. Even some of the audio quality is a bit rubbish at times. Mm-hmm. But again, like I don't think it's a limitation so much as that it was actually a deliberate choice in order for presentation yes, to be no, a little bit more consistent. When you, when you were talking about it, like, I do completely understand. Yeah. Know, obviously, we were, just, we were just talking about films that look slightly dated and said this but obviously it is intentional yeah um, uh, and it looks good you know um i think because even by that point like you know i don't even know i think the beach was kind of shot like on a film camera um whereas like you know even like uh, train spotting looks kind of similar it looks very grungy it mm-hmm. looks very ill like i think that's kinda... and i think it works well for like obviously british films the yeah. environment that you're you're in um, especially with this being like a like sort of apocalyptic situation mm. To, to look that sort of way it works really well chain spotting for the the subject matter it works very well um but yeah no i think it's it's really well shot the the soundtrack is very very good yeah. it has this little the theme we didn't even yeah in the climax the the main song the main i guess you could song. say sort of kicks in and because like the final sequence lasts for about like 10 minutes the song goes on like and it just builds up slowly and slowly, and slowly. Called it's called in the house in a heartbeat it's a great, yeah, um, great song. Great song. Um, I mean, it's, it's one of those songs that it's. Um, if someone was to play it and say what film, it's like you know, like in the, like a pub quiz thing. That's yeah. like, well, what are these film themes? This is a hundred percent like. Well, it's also film. quite ubiquitous because um, even like you know, it was used in a whole bunch of other things. Like uh, I even remember there was an advert for Strongbow Dark Fruits that used it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I learned it on guitar in high school. Um, okay. because it's very easy because the main theme yeah, is so it's simple easy. it's very yeah, easy yeah. to learn um, it was, it's was. it been used like you know back in the days of early YouTube when people were making like 
fan-made trailers for movies that were either not being made ever or you know whatever they wanted to be and that song was used all the time almost as much as um clint mansell's lux eternia from um requiem for a of dream course, yeah, yeah, and no. that was always in those fan-made trailers and it's the same within the house in a heartbeat it was everywhere but yeah um, i'd say but i would say it's this that's people think of when they hear that yeah. song or at Absolutely. least that's what I think of when I When I think that. of 28 Days Later and by extension 28 Weeks Later, um, I remember that in the trailer for 28 Weeks Later um, they used um, a song called Shrinking Universe by Muse from the Hullabaloo album, okay. um, which is just like, oh, fantastic song. But I always like, I always associate that song with like the whole 28 the franchise, franchise now, um, just because of how dramatic it was and how at the time, you know, I'd seen 28 Days Later quite young, so when 28 Weeks Later came out a couple of years later, I was a little bit older, so I was super hyped for 28 mm-hmm. Weeks Later. I used to watch that trailer all the time, and I am a Muse fan as well, so I absolutely love uh, Muse, and I love um, that song in particular, um, but it's super dramatic. And it was also around about that time that Muse songs were in everything, like Twilight was out a couple it of years, yep. a couple of years after the fact, and then um, you know, Supermassive Black Hole was in that. Um, in the trailer for 30 Days of Night, they use Apocalypse Please by Muse as well, which is just such a weird choice. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, I went off on a Muse tangent there. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, I don't yeah. really think there's much more we can say about no. 28 Days Later. Well, the one watch little it. like fun fact, which I kind of I was meant to bring up at the points that we brought up Jim, um, Cillian Murphy, is um, so it wasn't supposed to be Cillian Murphy was playing. You mean Killian? Killian, Killian. Yeah, sorry, Killian. My <laughs> pronunciation of names is awful. Um, yes, it was. It was supposed to be Ewan McGregor mm. that was played lead. Um, obviously, Danny Boyle had a very, very soft spot for Ewan McGregor, especially after Trainspotting. Mm. I love Ewan McGregor, so like. And you haven't seen um, a life less ordinary, have you? No, no, because he's in that as well. Yeah. It's really, really. I just, uh, yeah, I absolutely love the man. I think he's great. I think everything he's done over the years is yeah. great. But anyway, that's not a tangent. Um, even though I'm sure he would have been great in this, I think Cillian Murphy is. He's, he's a good choice um, for being an everyman. Yeah, especially yeah, especially you know British film because also it was supposed to be Ryan Gosling, which is such an odd thing for yeah, me. You yeah. told me that, and I was like, I'm mm. sure I will double check after, and I will say in the next one if I was completely wrong. But I'm sure, absolutely sure that I read that that they had looked into Ryan Gosling being in this, yeah. but due to um, back um, other films that he was filming, he wasn't in this. But I think it's completely stupid to get someone not British. Yeah. Um, in this sort of film set in Britain <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah, so little fact um, at the end so yeah this is a great film obviously to speak about and really great for us to watch again because it's one of those films that we did watch really young mm. um, you watched it a lot more than I did um, as a teen but yeah really good and next week we'll be talking about another one. Do you want to say who it is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to be talking about Train to Busan next week. Um, we decided to do this because obviously the sequel is coming out this year. Yeah. Well, we're supposed to. We don't really know with yeah, coronavirus at the moment. If it's um, still. I think, like you know, if we were when we were talking about the idea of doing like a zombie-themed episode, I think we kind of wanted to talk about the ones that have almost kind of not completely reinvented the genre but they've kind of brought it back from kind of being yeah. a bit stagnant again i mean we still might we we, we spoke about obviously during the classics um, yeah we have something our, else our kind of in mind for remakes, that but we, so we might come back and talk about obviously other ones <laughs> <laughs> wow Mona. um yes i know you love zombie films but um yeah we wanted to try two different films that are a bit different and definitely these two both in their own, if 
brought resurgence to the genre. Yeah. I don't know if we've maybe even really seen the sort of full effect of like, you know, because with like 28 Days Later, obviously, like, it seemed like it was almost immediately that like imitators or, you know, inspired parties were sort of coming out relatively quickly. Um, with Train to Busan, it's almost four years old now, and we've mm -hmm. kind of seen a but it's kind of it's, it's traction is getting there quite slowly like we've got the sequel coming out there's like an animated prequel as well if you're into that kind of thing um there's a oh well we had one cut of the dead recently as well which is probably one of my favorite zombie milk yeah i definitely want to we're gonna see watch it, it soon. it's 100 percent like everyone is recommending yeah. it it's one of my favorite zombie films in probably the past couple of years yeah. um, but we definitely did we wanted to take two films especially from different areas of the world and see how they tackle like this sort of genre yeah because I feel like a lot of zombie films are American. Yeah, they are. It's a, it's a yeah. big thing in American films. Like, I think they've had the most sort of zombie films over the years. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of in their element theirs. So we wanted to take something that was like <laughs> a British. <laughs> God, the cat really wanting to talk today. Um, a British version of it and something else from a, across the world as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so join us next week um, and we will be talking about Train to Basan. Yep, until next time, see you then. See you then. <laughs>